appreciate John lifting my podium. Um, I'm currently unable to do it. I threw my back out last night. So if, you know, if someone clapped, I thought that was kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> I know some people don't like me, but that's taking it to an extreme. <laughs> no, I was worried. I had to take medicine, and then I, uh, can you smell the tiger balm? Like, I got this stuff. My back is hot right now, and like, I was gonna wear a croc. I was gonna wear a Crocs this morning because, like, seriously, I couldn't put my shoes on, and the only pair I could find were bright green, and I didn't think that would look good. So, I did get my shoes on. Um, I guess I'm just asking for sympathy if that would be possible from y'all, and I pray for y'all. So now it's your turn, and um, I think the medicine's worn off, at least the mental part, because I was talking to a young man before the first service, and I, I think I actually baptized him. He's a senior in high school, so I've known him for like 18 years, and I asked him what his name was. <laughs> so you guys might get a more co coherent version of the message. Um, but it's, uh, I want to talk about our Christmas Eve offering. It was Bridges Out of Poverty. It was, uh, it's a great, so originally the goal was set at $30,000, and then after the first week, y'all gave $34,000, and did you notice how, I, did anyone notice how I upped the goal from 30 to 60 without telling anybody. That, that's how I did it, because I said, well, if I, well, I already met our goal, no one's going to give. And so here's the amount. Does anyone want to guess what the X number is? So we've got an eight, we've got a nine, seven, give me a six, five, four, three. <laughs> Could have been an auctioneer. So any other guesses? So it's 86,905. That's so cool. I wanted to do a video announcement with Marcus, the CEO. He was here, you know, a few weeks ago, and I said, hey, I got the check, and um, he said, well, I'm busy all day, and I said, well, it is $86,000. <laughs> he says, well, I'm still busy. I'm leaving tomorrow, so I didn't get the video done. But um, what's really cool is um, someone actually came to me between the services, and he said he grew up in Miller Park, and um, I was complaining that I have OCD, and that three classes would have been $90,000. Um, so he gave like the difference. So we had $90,000 now. So that number's outdated. Um, no, it's so cool. So what that means is that 30 people get to take a class and 96% of the people uh, who started finish it. The average income is $18,000 higher. The debt to income ratio is like 58% lower. Um, Y'all just hit it out of the park on this one, and just, it's amazing. So, yeah, you gave yourself a hand, you should. That's just generosity to its finest there. That was, I mean, I set the original goal at 30000 thinking that that might be a stretch, because y'all had just given, like, over $70,000 for the Project We Care, and right before that, you just had given $25,000 so people in Omaha could have a Thanksgiving meal. And just right before that, you gave $42,000, so... Uh, Karen Abraham, a, a missionary dentist from Kenya, or she lives in Kenya, she's from St. Louis, so she could go back there. And if you add all those things up, that's over $200,000 y'all did in just like a short two months. And that, to me, is just beyond amazing. So thank you. Um, thank you for that. All right, so there's a woman that came up to me uh, a number of years ago, and I texted her last night and said, hey, do you mind if I tell your story? And now she wanted me to tell it. Um, so she was 35 at the time. She had two kids, still does. They were uh, early to middle elementary at the time, and it was this time of year. Um, that's why I was kind of thinking about it. And she uh, said for the last three or four January, she just wanted to quit drinking. She knew it was an addiction. She knew it was a problem. She knew that uh, 
it was causing all sorts of problems for a lot of people. And, you know, I asked questions that, like, a coach or a therapist or, you know, a pastor would ask. Um, I said, you know, so what have you done in the past that's been helpful to, you know, stay clean? Um, one of the things you always want to ask with this one is who. You know, who is it that's going to take this journey with you? Who is it that's going to, uh, that's, that's going to help you? And so at the end of our, our short meeting, I gave her an action step. And this is not new to me. This is something that coaches would use a lot. I, I told her, I said, what I want you to do is on a, a sheet of paper. Um, and I want you to handwrite this. What I want you to do is uh, write your default future down, you know, 15 years from now if nothing changes. So here you are at 50 years old, and if uh, you don't overcome this addiction, um, if you don't stop drinking, like, I want you to like, be really specific. Like, you know, what is it your life is going to look like? And I said, can you do this? And she goes, yeah, I, I can do this. And she, uh, she called me just a few days later um, and said, I'm ready to meet with you. And so she came in a few days after that, and she, uh, you know, she said, now there's some small talk, and I said, okay, I want you to read me what you wrote. And she said, I can't do it. And she, like, passed it to me to read it. And I passed it back to her. And I said, no, like, you need to read this to me. So I don't remember the specific things. I don't have the letter. It's hers. But um, I do remember what she said. Like, right away, she said that, you know, my kids will be, you know, college age at the time. And <clears throat> I will have missed out on watching them grow up because... At nights, I'm just not present with them. You know, she said, I don't know how much longer the husband's going to put up with me. He's been a saint so far. Um, I just don't think he's probably got too many more years in this relationship. And, you know, I would see myself as uh, not married at that point. And she said, you know, I'm already starting to have health problems at age 50. I can't even imagine that you know, I'm going to have energy or physical health to do much of anything. Um, she said one of the things that I, I, I'd feel like a failure, I'd feel like a failure that I could not find ways to deal with my anger and my frustration other than, than drinking. And she said I would never have proven to myself that I can move from addiction to recovery. And I, I don't think what she wrote was much longer than that. Um, it probably took her about 15 or 20 minutes to get through it. It was such like, it, it was heart-wrenching for me to listen to. Um, I think it was tougher for her to read. And, you know, she knew the what. Um, like, she knew that, like, she needed to, she needed to stop. Um, I, I think she even knew how. I think she knew that she needed help. I think she knew that, like, she couldn't stop at the convenience store after work. I think she knew that she needed to, like, not have stuff available once she was at home. But she didn't know the why until that moment. You know, most of why to me was relational. It was the kids, you know, and her husband. But there's also some, you know, self-validation in, like, the relationship with herself. And now, like, now she was set up for success because she had done the work and she knew the why. She knew why she needed to get better. Now, Simon Sinek, in uh, th this book he wrote, and I'll talk about it in a few moments, he says, your why is, is the purpose cause or belief that inspires you to, to do what you do. So like her why was the relationships. Her why was the physical health. Um, 
she wanted to overcome like this loneliness and these feelings of helplessness and the why was moving to a better place. Like th this is why like she got into a group. It, it, it's why like she she told me like a few months later like she takes a different um, less direct route home from work every day. So she doesn't stop at the convenience store that she would typically stop at. You know, the, the why has caused her to learn uh, coping skills through a therapist that, that she works with. Now, before the why, the thought of this recovery for her was just, like, overwhelming. Um, it, it was stressful. And then because of the why, like, it's, now it's, it's become a, a passion. So in the book, uh, Start With Why, Simon Sinek, he also writes, when we work hard for something we don't believe in, like, think about this in your own life. Like, when we work hard for something we don't believe in, it's called stress. When we uh, work hard for, for something we, like, very much believe in, it, it, it's called passion. Now, when Simon Sinek wrote this book, it's, uh, it's not a new idea. Like, this idea's been around forever. He just put it together in a way that made sense for, for so many people, and that's why it was, like, a New York Times bestseller when it came out. And... I remember like 15 years ago, like we had just started the Water's Edge and I was still officing at Faith Westwood and um, I was on an airplane and uh, the guy was from Omaha um, next to me and um, we strike up a conversation and guess the question he asked me, like what do you do? Like he started with what? Like we don't start with why, we start with what? Um, and I said I'm a, I'm a pastor and um, that usually has an effect on people and it's called like reaching into your bag and find your headphones like as fast as you possibly can. But he asked me, he asked me a question and it's, it's a question that I've lived with for 15 years and it's the question that we're talking about this morning. He asked me, he said, I'm just curious, like, why do you do what you do? And it was from a place of curiosity. Like, I hadn't really thought about it too much. Like, I thought about it a lot like when I was getting into ministry and... You know, I came up with some responses, but they weren't the right responses. I said, you know, I get the front row seats to see life change, and you know, I get to uh, spend some of life's most important moments with people, and I love that stuff, and I do, but it wasn't my why. You know, so I spent the next few seasons uh, of life in ministry, like, thinking about the why, and I'd looked to my past, so part of my past, um, I grew up in northwest Iowa. I went to a really small school. And if I would take, like, the DISC task, um, like, do the Myers-Briggs thing, like, I'm a, I'm a high introvert, like, off the charts high. And when I was growing up, like, I was a, I was a long-distance runner. That worked well. Like, if you're a long-distance runner, like, introversion is, like, perfect for that. And, you know, people liked me, uh, you know, but I wasn't part of the cool kids. I wasn't part of the other group. I was just kind of Craig and... Everyone was nice, but I didn't really have many friendships. I probably would have self-reported then as you know, being pretty lonely throughout my like, high school days. And then when I went to college at Drake, um, like, I did not know a single person there. And I remember when Mom left, I was just like, uh, Mom, can you come back? I'm all, I'm all alone. I don't know any of these people. And I can't really say college was a great experience for me because I was learning how to you know, socially deal is that I'm 53, almost 54 now, and I'm good with people and I can deal with people well, but I was not able to pull that off when I was a teenager. I was not able to pull it off as a young adult, and Amber's back there, amen. 
She said, it's not where I met him. I was like, you know, talking and reading poetry to a wall. And, but I determined that, that was part of my why. You know, my why was, and still is, I don't want people to experience loneliness in this world. Yeah, so we do house churches, we do learning communities, we have serving teams. Like, I want this to be a, a community, like where everyone has a place, and I don't want individuals in their lives to experience loneliness. That's why we talk about relationships and families. Like, that's, that's part of my why. Yeah, the other reason I was getting back then was, uh, to a fault, I was a perfectionist. And when I would fall short of perfection, which was like a lot, um, I would be so hard on myself. And then all of a sudden, like one day I, in, in college, I you know, was part of a small, I ended up there on accident, but I was uh, part of a huddle group with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And all of a sudden I heard about this thing called the, the forgiveness of sin. And it totally changed my life. You know, to go from guilt to grace, to go from shame to forgiveness, like to start each day fresh, like that was revolutionary to me. As someone who beat myself up over the mistakes and failures that I had, to know that there was forgiveness. And yeah, I did a funeral on Friday afternoon, and one of the things I talked about was the forgiveness of sin. I had a wedding in this very spot, like, probably 18 hours ago. And one of the things that I uh, talked about to Kara and Derek was the forgiveness of sin. You know, you've heard this on Sunday mornings, so you're going to keep hearing it because it's, it's part of my why. Because I see grace as so much more than, than guilt. I see uh, forgiveness as so much better than shame. You know, the why is like, you know, and one of the things like with why is it, it evolves over time. Like, your why when you're you know, 15 years old might be different than your why when you're 25, and it might be different than when you're 50. And I think it's about 10 years ago, I, I, and I would have never saw this one coming, but I, I just observed there's so much, like, greed and so much comparison and so much envy and, and jealousy in the world. And um, what I experienced was the cure to that was generosity. You know, and I, I just... I, I was at the place where I was depending upon the creation and not the creator. And like now we get to announce it, like we get to give a $90,000 check to this group called Bridges Out of Poverty and we get to partner with uh, 30 families and change the course of their lives forever. And that's a byproduct to the ones of you who participated because you were saying no to consumption and materialism, which is always going to overpromise and underdeliver, and and yes to generosity. Yes, yeah, I, I was helping a church raise money um, last year, and I was talking to the chairpersons of the campaign. This was a campaign for them to pay off their debt and do some projects around the church, and um, they were going to host a meeting with some of the other potential uh, key donors, and we were kind of going over the meeting and. I asked them, I said, have you thought about your own participation and would you be willing to share that? And they said, yeah, for sure. And they kind of gave me a number and then they said, we changed and we're going to do this now because we just believe in the mission of the church. And they, then they said, as we've gone through this process, like we realized that we love stuff and 
we love buying stuff and we love spending time buying stuff. And as we reflected, our real God wasn't Yahweh, our real God wasn't Jesus, our real God was like Amazon and uh, you know Toyota and the, the companies that we support. And so I said, well, it's this changed like where you're at? And so then he, uh, I remember he took out a, a set of keys. It was, just, it was actually one key, and um, he gave me the key. And he says, in addition to what we're going to do, um, we're going to give the church this key. And I said, this looks like a car key. And he goes, it is. It's an old car key. Um, it's to a 1963 Corvette. And they discovered their why during this time. He says, like, at first we thought it was to kind of lead and be champions. At second, we thought it was to give and support. And we now realize our why is to inspire other people to give. We want to stand in front of this group and we want to tell them that we're going to sell this car. And in addition to what we're going to do, we're going to give the proceeds. I looked up the value of this car. Um, car people know this is a $100,000 car. Um, and that was their why. Their why was to say no to the, their, their why was to say consumption is not going to win. Materialism is not going to win. Um, the church is going to win. Now I'm going to have us watch a video. Um, you know, that's my why, the, the generosity of the community, um, the forgiveness of sin. Now I want to see like the possibilities of why. So we're going to watch a video. The first part of the video, you're going to see what. There's going to be a guy who is doing what he is told to do. Um, and in the second part of the video, you're going to see a, a, the same man who now has a why, and you're going to see like this totally different product that comes out. So here it is. A clip from Winston-Salem. And I'm just talking to this guy in the audience, and he tells me that he's a, uh, a musical instructor at a school. So I was like, all right, you're a musical instructor. You know, can you sing? Let me hear you sing a song. So this is what happened at the last episode of Michael Jr.'s Break Time. Check it. So you're a musical director. Cool. Yes, sir. All right, so um, let me get a couple. Let me get a couple bars of like uh, Amazing Grace. Can you do the first part of that? Let me, go ahead. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That bro could sing, you know what I'm saying? All right, all right. Um, now, once you give me the version, is if uh, your uncle just got out of jail, you got shot in the back when you was a kid. I'm just saying, let me see the hood version real quick. If you know which version I'm talking about, just see if that exists. Let me see what you got. Amazing. But now 
Yeah, so that's what happens when you get your why. Like, um, a lot of us, like, we live to the why, and we do what we're expected to do. And then the why, like, we, it's like we dance, we sing. It's a new song, it's a new day. Like, version two is how Jesus lived. You know, we looked at why Jesus came to the world in uh, December, like, during Advent. Like, he came to be uh, light to darkness. Like, light means, like, he instructed, he taught. Like, there's such great wisdom, and he taught that... Uh, dark world. He says, what does it profit um, you know, in the Gospel of Mark? What does it profit if, if you gain the entire world but, but forfeit your soul? Yeah, during uh, Luke's version of uh, the Sermon on the Plain, um, you know, he's telling the story, and like, at the end of the story, he, he gives us this nugget, like, um, do to others as, as, as you would have them do to you. you know, in the Sermon on the Mount, like, he knew that worry and anxiety was an issue that, like, all of us deal with some of the time, and some of us deal with all the time. And Jesus says, this is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Can, can worries, and he asks a question here, can worries add a, a single moment to your, to your life? You know, that's part of Jesus' why. Part of Jesus' why was he came to forgive sins. You know, think about the story where there was a woman who was you know, caught in adultery. And um, I try to put myself in her place like she's standing against a wall, and probably about 10 or 12 feet from her, there's all these religious leaders that are uh, holding rocks about the size of a golf ball. Now, the law says, like, she messed up. The law says that these people should be able to throw these rocks at her. Um, can you imagine, like, standing right here and all these people are ready to throw these rocks at you? That they want to feel justified by Jesus. And I said, hey, teacher, the... Law says, you know, the punishment for adultery is uh, you get stoned. Um, Jesus said, yeah, it says that for sure. Um, so how about this? How about <clears throat> the one of you that is sinless, you go ahead and throw the first rock. What Jesus was teaching them there is they're not any different from her. It's just that their sin's different. So they look at the woman and says, hey, woman, they, all these guys, they drop their rocks and they take off. Jesus says, hey, woman, where did uh, all these guys go? Um, so they didn't condemn me. And then Jesus says words that I need to hear, and he says words that you need to hear. He says, neither do I. Your, your sins are forgiven. Now go and sin no more. That's part of the reason why Jesus came to the world. And Jesus came to the world to, to serve. Um, before the Last Supper with his 12 buddies, Jesus, he uh, took off a, a towel and put it around his waist, and he took a basin, and he went around, and like, with the stinky feet, 24 of them, he washed them all. You know, he, he did, like, he, he did, and then after that, he, like, you know, does the, uh, does the Lord's Supper, and then after that, he dies, and Jesus says, I, I, I didn't come to, to serve. I, came to, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and, and to, give, to give my life as a, a ransom for, for many. So it's clear that Jesus like, was singing Amazing Grace in the second version, like his whole life. He, he was bringing light through the teachings. He was bringing forgiveness. He was uh, going around and um, he, w- he was serving. And 
I've, I thought about like who is it that could you know talk about a why, and it happens that Morgan uh, is in town. So Morgan, if you'll come up to the uh, stage with me, um, I wouldn't get too close to Tiger Obama. It's pretty uh, <laughs> robust up here. Um, <laughs> But you're just in town for a few weeks, so if uh, those of you who are very new, uh, this is Morgan. So Morgan got married, and what's your new last name? Torres. Okay, I can remember that. I thought there was like something before Torres. Well, in Latin America, you keep your last name, so it's Morgan Coyle and De Torres. Okay. Can I just call you Morgan? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so Morgan um, graduated from Millard West. She uh, went to Rockhurst College, graduated from there. You kind of grew up in the church, probably in middle school on. So after you graduate from Rockhurst, uh, there's a lot of options that college graduates have. Most don't go into foreign missions. So I want to hear your why, and we want to hear your why. Like, why would you do such a thing? Yeah, so it actually kind of started back in high school. Um, I had the opportunity to uh, serve through the church, going on different mission trips, and specifically through the Hope Center for Kids in North Omaha. I, um, I got to go with a group of different folks month after month, and I'll never forget, I was 16 years old driving back from the Hope Center, and I just had this like revelation, and I realized, I'm like, this is exactly what I want to do for the rest of my life, and I went home, and I'm like, Mom, I'm going to work for a nonprofit someday, and um, that just kind of spurred into all these different decisions, which led me to Rockhurst, um, which led me to study nonprofit in Spanish, and um, now to be with Amigos for Christ. So it doesn't sound like your why just appeared. It sounds like it was a, a process, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think um, it was just, for me, I realize now, um, as I've gotten older, that it's not the norm to be a part of a community like this one that is so generous, both with their time um, and resources, and for me, so young to go and meet people and hear their story and encourage them and walk alongside them, that changed me, um, and that led me to want to do that um, as my, my life's purpose and in my career. So I know your accommodations in Nicaragua aren't quite what you had in Mission Park when you grew up, um, and I know that you don't have an easy gig. So let's talk about how your why fuels you through all these days, including and especially the tough ones. Yeah. For me, I think it's two things. The, the first is to look back um, and to see how God has been faithful, um, to rejoice in the communities that have gotten clean water or the kiddos that graduated from primary school for the first time, their entire mm -hmm. family, then gone on to high school um, to go out and live their dream. Uh, we just had a young boy, Jimmy. He, um, when he was in preschool, he was going to school under a plastic tarp. Um, and then just this December, he graduated from one of the best high schools in Shenandaga, Nicaragua, and he's going on to be a civil engineer uh, because he wants to build schools uh, for other kiddos. So just stories like that, and then also the hope for the future of what's to come, um, to, to think about, to dream about a Nicaragua where everyone has clean water, to dream about a world where everybody has access to clean water. Um, for me, that's what gets me out of bed on the tough mornings. So as you think about the future then, like how does your why help you think about your future? I think it's hope. Um, for me, it's to get up every day and say, what, what does love look like today? Or what does serving mm -hmm. look like today? Um, all of us, you know, no matter what our career path is, you know, whether we're going to get up and love our family or going to get up and work on a water system, whatever that looks like. Um, for me, it's just one foot in front of the other. How can I love? Mm -hmm. How can I serve today? What's it like to see like someone have fresh water for the first time, or what's it like to see someone 
graduate from a school and like be the first person in their family to graduate from a school? It's emotional. Um, those days never get old. It, I mean, it literally feels like magic. Um, for me, I always love to look at the, the older generations uh, when that happens and, and see them, how hard they worked um, to be able to provide a better future um, for the, the up and coming generation and for them to know that life will look different forever. Um, it's incredible. It absolutely never, ever gets old. All right, so the church has been very supportive of you over the years, and we do continue to be. So last year it was, I think, $120,000 that was given. Um, that was to take water into people's houses. You know, we do pay about, I think it's three-fourths your salary nowadays. So I would just like to give you a chance to share um, a word of gratitude to the uh, congregation and anything else you want to share. Yeah, I just want to say thank you so much. Um, I was talking with Tim before the first service, and I was saying that it really does take a village, and I'm grateful that I have a community like this. Um, I mentioned earlier, it's really not the norm to be a part of such a generous community. Um, I'm really humbled and blown away. Uh, for me, it's encouraging to know that this community loves Omaha so deeply. Um, I am loved so deeply, and also you love Nicaragua. I mean, to look at how much you guys have given, just financially, and that's not even including all of the beds that you get went to make and all of the different service hours and service trips that this community has done. I just feel really grateful. Um, I don't think I would be doing what I'm doing today if I didn't have the opportunity to grow up in this church. And I'm thankful that you guys continue to support me so that I can continue um, to live out my why. Um, I'm, I love my job. I'm grateful to do it. And I couldn't do it without your support. So thank you. So how long are you in? Yeah. That's more than they clap for me in the whole year of 2023, <laughs> so that's good. <laughs> Got a lot of applause today. That's well, well-deserved. But um, So you're in town for a few more days? Is that yep, right? I leave on Tuesday. Just a quick trip. Got to get home to Renato. So you got married last year. How's married life going? It's been good. It's been fun. Coming up on a year. I know you're excited. He's still, you're still dealing with the passport and visa issues, so he's not able to come to the United States, but we'll... Be praying for that for sure. Thank you. Well, you guys are going to like him more than you like me, so maybe that's kind of my secret to <laughs> not bring him. That's the way it is with me and Amber, too. So <laughs> Even my mom is that way now. So <laughs> Now, we're just uh, blessed and grateful you're here. I'm going to offer a word of prayer for Morgan. So, God, we just pray for our sister here. Lord, she is an inspiration to us. Uh, God, she... Uh, She's out there doing your work every day, and God, I pray for her remaining time in Omaha, that there's some rest and time with her parents and her uh, brother and the, the uh, nephews as well. And um, Lord, we're just thankful for uh, her responding to, to the why and you know, just moving to Nicaragua and connecting us with uh, many opportunities just to bless and give. God, I pray as she uh, heads back down to Nicaragua that you'll continue to give her a clear vision, that you'll give her energy and strength. God, we look forward to uh, partnering with her and uh, seeing her again later this uh, this next summer. And God, we're just beyond grateful for Morgan. She's an inspiration to all of us. And Lord, we just pray your blessing upon her in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. So I'll close with this. Like here's, I can't in four minutes talk about how to discover your why. Um, but a couple things. One is uh, we're starting a new sermon series next week, and it's four weeks uh, leading into like the Christian time of Lent, and we're going to be looking at you know different practices that are going to help us you know uncover this. This is not like a, something you do in 24 hours. It's not something you get in 25 minutes. It, it's a process to go from that 
first song of Amazing Grace, where we're doing the what to that second version where we're living out the why. Now, maybe to get a few of you kick-started, um, you can take it to just a picture of the screen behind me if uh, you want to. Um, you know, so it's re-identification, basically. So one of them is just going to be reflect on your past. You know, wh what is it that's gotten to, the, to this point? Like, what moments in your life have defined you? What have you overcome? You know, many times our why is going to be found in that area. Next is explore possibilities. Uh, you know, just dream about, like, what your life could look like if you're living in your why. The third is identify your values and be really clear about that. Like, you know, this is who I am. This is, this is what I love. This is who I love. This is uh, who I hope to become. Like, these questions make the why a lot more clear. And then the last one is uh, dream about your impact. I, I think a lot of the whys are going to come in forward thinking, like, visionary stuff. Like, I think when Morgan was, I remember, like, when she was a high school student, like, she dreamed that there would be, like, this impact. And, uh, you know, now we're seeing that play out. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in a day. Um, it does happen daily. So we're going to close our worship uh, this morning. We're going to pray an old prayer together. Uh, this is not one that I've written. It was written in the 1700s by John Wesley, who's really the founder of the Methodist movement. It's called the Wesleyan Covenant Prayer. He would typically pray this with his churches, the, the first uh, worship service of the year. I've taken out some of the these and thous and you know, transform it into modern-day English. But I just invite you to, like, reflect on the words. We're going to pray this out loud together. It's going to be on the screens. And reflect on the words. And just let's make this our prayer this morning as we go to God, you know, seeking our why and uh, seeking to sing that second version of Amazing Grace. So let us pray. I once was mine. From this point forward, I am yours. Make clear my purposes in life. Place me among my loved ones and expand my heart to love all. Help me to think the things you want me to think, say the things you want me to say, and do the things you want me to do, even if it means I am belittled, ignored, or criticized. Give me people to encourage, serve, and love. Give me times of peace and rest so I can love and be loved by you. Let me be a light to a dark world so people can see you working in me. Make me humble and remind me that everything I have is because of you. Thank you for times of happiness and prosperity. They are a gift. Thank you for your presence and promise in days of sadness and hardship. I emerge stronger than ever. Let me discover, embrace, and fulfill your will for my life. With joy and in fullness, I give my possessions, my time, and my energy to you and your purposes. Almighty, holy, and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are my true love, and I am yours. And so it is. Let the covenant I am making here on earth be acceptable and pleasing to you. Amen. So I had a New Year's resolution, and I'm 0 for 1. Um, I wanted to be done in 59 minutes or less. Uh, every Sunday I preach this year, and it is 11.30 exactly, so I went one minute over. And Morgan, it's your fault. You talk way too much. Um, <laughs> My part was scripted perfectly. Thank you, Corey. Um, no, but uh, Morgan, it was a blessing to have you. And Tim, uh, you can come up and uh, give us our closing. I kind of got a head start on that because I thought he was done to stay under that.
hour, but I wouldn't missed it. Brothers and sisters, thank you so much for being here with us today. We are so excited to look into our purpose. Our hope and prayer this week as you go out is that you, in your quiet times with God, will we'll dig deeper into the questions that we have in the bulletin and follow us in the sermon series that's to come. But may God uh, take you out with hope and peace and grace. Have a great week, and we'll see you next week at the water's edge.